Nigel De Jong is suspended. Darlington Nagby is back training. And Jermaine Jones and Didier Drogba are on their way back to the field. This is the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivan Skolarsep. It's another Friday, another late SBI show. Uh, once again, apologies uh, for that. We didn't have a show earlier in the week. Uh, it's been a, been a bit of a busy time around here. And also, I planned to record earlier on Friday, unfortunately. Uh, the folks at DirecTV had to come and, and, and fix my system here. Uh, it's been a bit of an all-day process. Uh, on, the good, on, on, on the good note, uh, we managed to have a soccer conversation breakout with the technicians. Had a Panamanian and a Peruvian come in here. So, of course, we started talking about European soccer, Latin American soccer. It's always a good time. You, you, can, always fi- you can always find soccer to talk about and people to talk about it with wherever you go. Uh, so much to talk about, so much to get into. We'll try to get it all into this one show. Um, especially since we missed the last show, but uh, we we have the weekend action in MLS. We have to talk a little about about the midweek results. We have Americans abroad. We have U.S. national team news. U.S. women's national team news. First, of course, we have to start off with Nigel De Jong. This is the big story coming off of last weekend. We didn't have a show since the incident, and I'm sure if you're listening to this, you know the incident I'm referring to. Nigel De Jong's ugly tackle on Darlington Nagby. He has been suspended, three match suspension for the Dutch midfielder. And uh, obviously folks in Portland are probably happy with that or maybe even wanted more. And I know people are in L.A. are not happy with that. Uh, there's definitely a sense out of L.A. that this has kind of become a witch hunt and that everything was blown out of proportion with the De Jong tackle in question. Uh, it was an ugly tackle. I don't know how you can put it any other way, but I think there definitely is something to be said for the idea that his reputation played a part in the suspension and in the reaction, um, as I wrote on Goal.com on multiple occasions, it really was just a perfect storm, uh, that play in, in question, because you have a player with the reputation that the young has tackling uh, and injuring uh, one of the most beloved, one of the most well-liked players in MLS and in among U.S. national team fans because of his pro- the prospect that he is in Darnton Nagby. And then you take the fact that Stuart and Holden was in attendance and on the air, and then he chimed in after the tackle with his own emotional plea, his own emotional reaction to the tackle. And you you mix that all together. You mix in the, the fear and, and, the, and the rage from Timbers fans who thought maybe at the time that Nagby uh, would be lost for a long time. And yet the perfect storm, it was, it was, it, it, the backlash on De Jong was, was, was unbelievable. And uh, I know my reaction was, was similar to a lot of people's in that I thought it was a really ugly tackle. And it, it, you definitely had concerns for Nagby, especially when he's taken off in a wheelchair. I don't know if I've ever seen that before in a game. I guess they didn't have stretchers. They took him off in a wheelchair. He actually made his way out of, like, stayed on the bench, made his way out after the game with the wheelchair. It was a weird scene. I must, I gotta say, but uh, now we know what happened. De Jong suspended, and Darlington Nagby is actually okay now, or at least he's training again. He did miss Portland's midweek game, which we'll get into. The Timbers did uh, suffer a loss uh, at midweek, but he is back on the field, back training less than a week after the tackle, which definitely makes you wonder. Okay, so how bad was this tackle? Because um, there was so much conversation about, oh, this is on par with Zakawani Mullen, and you know. Uh, he, he deserves a you know five plus game ban and you know three I think three games is about right um, and and for you know obviously like as an example Bruce Arena I know was not happy with the quote unquote hysteria that he discussed but 
you know what? Your reputation precedes you everywhere you go in anything walk of life that you have. And De Jong has a reputation as a dirty player. No one, no one gave that to him. He earned it. He earned that reputation. And he's got to live with that. So, yes, that is part of why there was this backlash. It's part of the reason he got three games as opposed to one game. Maybe some other players might have only gotten one game. I agree with that. It probably is the case where his reputation earned him an extra game or two. But whose fault is that? It's his fault. No one told him to kick Xabi Alonso in the chest or break Stuart Holden's leg or break Hatem Banarfa's leg back in 2010. I know that was six years ago, and there's something to be said for that. It was six years ago. He hasn't been doing that every year since then. But I think this is a clear message by MLS. Not just a, It's not just about Nigel de Jong. It's about the league wanting to, to, to get rid of the ugly tackles. This isn't a new thing. This has been going on for weeks. We've been seeing red card for weeks. Um... But and so he had to pay. He had to pay uh, pay the price, and and now he's suspended. The Galaxy are going to have to deal with that. Uh, it is good news that Nagby's back training. Uh, we'll see how long it takes him to come back. Um, so yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of reaction uh, to the to all that that's happened. And I thought it was funny that you had like folks in LA uh, kind of throwing some shade at the Timbers uh, shortly after that because you had Ned Grabovoy with a studs-up challenge uh, in the Timbers game against FC Dallas. And there was definitely the videos being passed around. When is Nagby going to get his uh, suspension? Where's the outrage over Nagby's tackle? I thought that was pretty funny. Um, uh, Not that there isn't, you know, yes, there was an ugly tackle. No no question about it. But it's just funny how that goes. Uh, Just just the back and forth uh, coming out of L.A. and, and Portland. But... It's been resolved. We move on. De Jong hopefully will learn from this and uh, and keep keep from going in so hard with the studs showing like he did on Nagby. Uh, moving on now to other MLS news. We have Don Garber visiting Sacramento uh, this past week. And obviously Sacramento rolled out the red carpet. They flexed their muscles as a soccer market. Uh, it's clear Sacramento is going to get an MLS team eventually, but... Uh, so that's not really the news here, even though the, it definitely headlines were made when Garber came out and said uh, Sacramento's leading the way uh, in the push for 28 teams in MLS. The way I kind of read that more is, is say, as, as MLS saying, yes, you're, no, you're not going to make it into the 24. Miami is going to make it into the 24. You're going to have to wait now to be one either between team 25 and 28. So Sacramento will be the 25th team. And that's a, there's I'm sure there's some disappointment there. But what can you do? MLS has made its mind up. They're going to wait on Miami. Miami is moving forward. David Beckham, they purchased the land in Miami. They're getting that sorted out. So it looks like we will have a Miami team uh, in a few years. So that, that, I mean, that in itself is good news if it actually happens. Uh, but it is a little unfortunate that Sacramento has to wait now th- that much longer because Sacramento's ready. Sacramento could have a team next year if uh, if MLS uh, decided to do that. But they're going to have to wait. And uh, and now Garber's already kind of turning his attention to the other markets to fill out 25, 26 through 28, 26, 27, 28. There are plenty of markets out there. St. Louis, San Antonio, San Diego. All the Sands, uh, all the Saints cities are, are, are in the mix. So uh, looking forward to see how that plays out. Uh, 28 teams sounds so crazy when you think about it, though. Uh, I still remember covering the league when it was 10 teams. And uh, I definitely don't want to go back to that. It's better. It's much better to have more teams. But 28 teams is such a huge league. Uh, it's just it's, it's crazy if you think about it. But we're not there yet. We're still at 20. Uh, but we'll, before you know it, we'll be up to 22. Uh, and... Speaking of having 20 teams 
All 20 teams are in action this weekend. Uh, MLS Week 7, so many good headlines. Before we get to this weekend's action, I want to take a quick run through the midweek games. Uh, Sporting Kansas City losing to the Colorado Rapids. Credit to the Rapids. Who had the Rapids winning three games already? And it's kind of crazy when you think about the Rapids took 18 games to win three last year. It took them six to win three games this year. And they have Jermaine Jones coming into the fold. He's going to be in action this weekend, make his debut for them. They have Tim Howard on the way this summer. I'll tell you what now, Paolo Mastroeni, he just might work out. It just might work out for Paolo Mastroeni and the Rapids that they might have a successful year. I wasn't so sure about it. Um, it you know, When we were looking at this team in the winter, it didn't look so hot. Uh, but now things are shaping up. This team is is, is a tough team. And the, the this latest win for them w- w- was definitely the kind of win that sends a message that uh, you have to take them a little more seriously now. So credit to them. Sporting Kansas City, obviously they tried to bench some of their starters. Or they tried to rest some of their starters with this congested schedule. Uh, Dom Dwyer was on the bench. Phil Harbour's on the bench. Matt Beasler still is. He is cleared to play, but he still isn't playing after his concussion. I think Kansas City will be all right. It was a little surprising loss on their part, but they'll rebound and they'll have a chance to, to rebound against a very tough opponent in FC Dallas. <coughs> we'll get to that later. Next up, speaking of FC Dallas, FC Dallas went to Portland and smacked up the Timbers 3-1, to one, jumped all over them. And uh, I know Caleb Porter was not happy, and he definitely shouldn't be happy because the way Portland came out, they were so flat. I know Darnton Ivy was out, and maybe there you could say, oh, you know, that that's part of the reason, but it wasn't just about Nagby. I mean, it, it was Nagby and, and, and Liam Ridgewell. Uh, they yeah, they were missing players, but at the same time, no excuse for how flat they started. And all the credit in the world to FC Dallas because they jumped all over them. And how about Maxi Aruti, uh, who who just with his one man pressing system forced Jack Jewsberry into two, not one, but two turnovers that led directly to goals. Very impressive win for FC Dallas. Uh, I'm re- I'm, I tell you what, I'm not minding my MLS Cup champion pick of FC Dallas because they're looking pretty good right now. Last but not least on the midweek games, San Jose defeated the New York Red Bulls 2-0. Another case of a team trying to rest starters. The Red Bulls sat all their top, well, most of their top guys, Bradley Wright Phillips, Dax McCarty, Sasha Kleshton, all on the bench. Um, and San Jose said, you know what, fine. You want to you play your young guys? You want to give your competitors a rest? We'll take the three points. Uh, credit to them. It wasn't the prettiest game. But how about Chris Wondolowski with another goal, moving up the charts for, for the all-time MLS goal-scoring leaders. Uh, and Ante Razov is the latest name for Wondolowski to, to, to pass up. Ante Razov, for those of you who are a little younger and don't remember, was a very, very good forward, a fiery, temperamental forward, but a, a clinical finisher, a very good player in his day. Uh, but that was the midweek action, and now we have to turn our attention to the weekend, and there are some great uh, headliners this weekend. We have to start with the Houston Dynamo taking on the LA Galaxy. Friday night action, the LA Galaxy, have they're, they're, they're dealing with so many injuries right now. Robbie Keane's out, uh, I think, I believe, I think Robbie Rogers might be hurt, um, don't quote me on that, but now Nigel Young is going to be out, and that's a huge loss for them, because he definitely gives them a some bite in the midfield, and they're going to miss that. They, I mean, some bite, literally. Uh, no, uh, but they miss his toughness. I mean, he uh, say what you want, call him dirty, call him a hack. The guy's a very good player. 
when he's not going in studs up. Very good player. He's a good passer, organizer. He always puts himself in good spots. He's a class player. He's a top class player. Unfortunately, he needs to not injure people. Um, but without him, the Galaxy, I think you're going to have a tough time against a Houston team that does know how to attack, has been scoring goals in bunches, and uh, it's not going to be an easy one for, for the Galaxy um, in Houston. And for the Dynamo, it's been tough because they've been playing well, but they haven't been able to close out games. Owen Coyle has had a bit of a tough time uh, holding on to leads. His, team's, uh, his team has started out well, not been able to finish well. This is the kind of game they absolutely need. They're at home. Uh, they need to start getting some points here because you can't keep letting points get away in, in matches that where you're the better team or where you you know you had full control of the game. And Houston, uh, unfortunately for them, I mean it happened again last weekend against Seattle. They have three points seemingly in the bag, and then they give up a goal at the last second to Chad Marshall. And how many times has that happened to them now? When you think about it, they they blew the lead against the Red Bulls. They and they blew the lead against New England in the in the opener in season opener. I mean that's that's six points right there. That you know when you think of actually it's more than six points. It's seven total points because New England and Seattle they they turned tie they turned wins into ties, and then the Red Bulls game they turned a win into a loss. So right there six uh, you, what is it seven points seven points that they just blew. Uh, and that's why people, you know, if you just look at the standings, you just look at the results, you might think, oh, Houston, they're right about where we thought they'd be. They're not that good. But no, they're a good team. They just haven't closed out well. But when they're on their game, there's they're one of the, they could be one of the best teams in the league. The question is now, how will this Dynamo team respond to their latest uh, blown lead? And LA is not, LA is going to be a good test, but I think Houston should be able to beat the Galaxy, especially without the Young. Uh, and we'll see what happens there. Next up, the Chicago Fire play host to DDA Drogba and the Montreal Impact. And yes, folks, DDA Drogba will play. The Fire do play on grass. The the turf ban is over, or the turf hiatus is over for Drogba. He's back in the fold now. He will be with the Impact now. The, the Impact play their next six matches on grass, uh, and he will be a part of that. And that's a big addition for them. For a team that's already tied for first in the East, so they managed to they managed to uh, grab a f- share of first place in the Eastern Conference through six matches without Drogba, and that's huge. Actually, it's five matches for them. Uh, they posted a three and two record without Drogba. Now they add Drogba, and that's uh, it's scary to think uh, what they're going to look like now. Uh, and I love this matchup because the Fire have actually been very stingy defensively. The Fire have posted three straight shutouts. They're unbeaten in four. They still have some question marks in terms of their attack, but their defense has been pretty tough. Uh, Jonathan Campbell looking like an early rookie of the year front runner. Uh, Joanne Kapiloff has done well for them. Now they face Didier Drogba, and it's uh, it's going to be a tough one. I mean, if you think about it, uh, Montreal's already been able to score goals and generate chances without Drogba. Uh, obviously, Ignacio Piatti has picked up a lot of the slack in Drogba's absence. But he hasn't been alone. Uh, Dominic Aduro has done well. Harry Ship has obviously done well since coming over from the fire. Lucas Santavero has been a good addition for them. Overall, the Impact have played really well, considering they haven't had Drogba. Now you plug Drogba into that. I'm sure Marbiello will, will be able to figure out the right combination. I think Antevero might be the guy to sit. Especially uh, Dom, Dom Aduro is the kind of player that when he's on, you play him and you ride him until he cools off. Now, when he's cold, he's as cold as they come. 
the chances he does he doesn't finish chances but when he's on he can he, he's so dangerous right now he's on so you I think you plug in Drogba next to him and and, and try to wreak some havoc on that fire defense uh and of course Montreal's defense is so tough uh they're gonna face a fire attack that's really not been that impressive so it's hard to see the fire even though they're at home it's hard to see the fire really breaking through on this Montreal defense considering how tough that defense is Next up on the schedule, we have DC United versus Toronto FC. And TFC's been struggling. Obviously, they've had this long road stretch, uh, but they've just kind of been scuffling along after their promising start. But they go to they go to RFK. They're facing a DC team that has to be feeling a little confident now. Uh, after the spanking the, the Vancouver Whitecaps, big win for them in their last time out. And, and, and maybe that could be the type of win that Ben Olsen can use to show his guys that, you know what, this team isn't just going to lay down and be kind of a forgotten club or, or, or a doormat in MLS this year. They're a team that, do, that does have veterans that can step up. Uh, and this is going to be good. This is a big test right here because if DC has any aspirations of being anything more than just an also ran in the Eastern Conference, they need to get a win at home. And we all know Javinko has had his, had his success against dc uh but javinko's been it's been it's been a tough go start for him it's been a tough start for the mvp winner uh obviously teams i think maybe are, are starting to realize that you know what when it comes to javinko you let the other guys at tfc beat you you don't let him beat you uh so then it's up to josie Altador, michael bradley uh jonathan osorio if he plays uh those guys need to pick up the slack because it, it's been it's been a rough go for this attack uh so far this year so who's gonna win this game? I don't know. Is can I pick? Can I honestly pick DC United? Uh, will they be able to beat a second Canadian team in a row? Uh, unfortunately, I think this could be the game where where uh, Javinko breaks out and kind of reminds us all just how good he can be. Um, so I think you know what I'm gonna go TFC with the road win here. Javinko has himself a game. I hope he doesn't because I'm facing him in fantasy MLS. But I have a feeling he's gonna have himself a game or at least score at least one goal in this one. Next up. The winless Columbus Crew taking on NYCFC. Who would have had the crew at this point in the season without a win? It's still crazy to me to think about. It's probably my fault jinxing them, picking them to win the Supporters Shield. But the thing is, their record does not really fairly show how how good this team is, is and how, how well they played. I mean, look, they, they have the only, only themselves to blame for these results, but they haven't been playing that badly. And I think uh, the perfect opportunity for them to finally break this winless drought, it comes this weekend against the New York City FC team that has been struggling. There's no other way to say it. They're, they've been struggling. I know they've been creating chances. They haven't been finishing those chances. I'm still not sold on their defense. Now they go to they go to Matt Free Stadium. And I think they're going to face a very desperate Columbus crew team that understands that this is the type of game you have to win if you're the crew. And I don't mean they have to win because they haven't won a game and they're desperate for points. I mean that's part of it. But if you're going to be the, the if you're the top dog in the East or if you plan to be a top team in the Eastern Conference, you need to beat a team like NYCFC at home. And I think Greg Berhalter seems going to do that. Uh, I think they're due for for a, an overall kind of complete performance that they that they haven't had yet. Kai Kamara, what's going on with Kai Kamara? He's been kind of quiet this year. The million dollar man. He wanted his new contract. He wanted to get paid. Well, you're paid now, Kai Kamara. Time to deliver. Time to time to earn that pay. And I think this is the kind of game he steps up 
has himself a game, gets himself a goal, at least one goal, maybe two goals, and the crew should start their winning ways. Next, we have the Colorado Rapids and the New York Red Bulls. And how about the Rapids? Who would have had them three uh, on three wins uh, in a playoff position? Hey, look, it's, it's April, right? So playoff positions mean whatever. But still, three wins. And as I said at the start of the show, it took them 18 games. It took them to July 4th to get their third win last year. That's crazy. That's how that's how well they've done this year. And that's a, the KC the game really sold me on them. Not that they played some amazing game, but look, Kansas City's not an easy place to play. I know they were resting starters, but Colorado still showed me something in that game. And and for that reason, I'll tell you what, I think I think that they're there with now would you add Jermaine Jones to that? The Rapids are a team that you have to take seriously. And uh they they go up against a Red Bulls team that you know you before the season, we would have been looking at this game and said, okay, how many points, how many goals are the Red Bulls going to score on the Rapids? Now, the question is, do we really see the Red Bulls scoring on the Rapids? Because the Rapids have had the stingiest defense in the league. Um, credit to them, credit to Mascherani, because that, that defense has is, is really been a been a, a tough one to deal with. Uh, and it's not as if Zach McMath is playing out of his mind. I mean, he's played well. He's had some, obviously, some shaky moments. But overall... They've been tough to break down. And now you add Jermaine Jones to that. And now you're the Red Bulls. You come in. You've been shut out in all but one game this year. Think about that. The Red Bulls had the best attack in the league last year. And they've only scored in one game this year. That's crazy. But they're going to have to find a way to score in Colorado in the altitude. And I tell you what, it's not going to be easy. So I think the Rapids are going to win this one. And how about the idea of the Rapids having four wins now, this early and now they've added Jermaine Jones. Watch out for the Colorado Rapids. Next up, we have Real Salt Lake versus the Vancouver Whitecaps. And this is an interesting one. RSL, obviously the only unbeaten team in MLS at the moment, going up against a Whitecaps, Whitecaps team that, that that has hit a bit of a skid. They, they're, they're a team that we know they got the benefit of some penalty calls early in the year to help them rack up some points. But uh, they, they their last two matches now have been a little flat. 0-0 draw against the Galaxy, then a 4-0 loss to DC. Obviously, the Matias Laba uh, suspension didn't help them last week. Last week, and when you think about Vancouver being without the arguably the best, one of the best, and arguably the best central midfield in MLS in Pedro Morales and Matias Laba, you can kind of understand how they end up losing to DC the way they did. But they should have they should have Laba, Laba back uh, if. If he and Pedro Morales are back, then all of a sudden you, you you like their chances a bit more. But Real Salt Lake is playing really well. Real Salt Lake's at home. You have the altitude to deal with. And more importantly, you have Jao Plata to deal with. Jao Plata's been playing out of his mind. I know he, he was apparently sick this week, during the week, but he should be okay now. But between him, Burdito, Juan Manuel Martinez, and Yuram Afsisian, that three-headed attack has been causing all kinds of problems for opposing defenses. And I think... They're going to cause some problems for that Whitecaps defense. So look out for this one. This is this is going to be a fun match to watch. But I, I don't see Real Salt Lake losing this one. Next up, Seattle Sounders, Philadelphia Union. And who, if you had looked at, the, again, you look at this game before the season starts. And you're wondering how many goals Seattle can score on Philly. But guess what? Philly's the team that comes into this game with three victories to Seattle's one. They have nine points to Seattle's four. They're coming off an impressive victory uh, this past weekend. 
they go up against a Seattle team that has to be feeling good uh, after grabbing that late draw against Houston last week. But it still hasn't been the the, the Sounders are still in search of the kind of a really complete performance. They haven't had it yet. Uh, and I don't know, is, is Philly the team to get it against? That's the question mark. Uh, we know how tough it is for Eastern Conference teams, East Coast teams, to make that trip cross-country. Uh, and obviously the Union going up to Seattle, not, not always a great place for them. But uh, this is a different Union team. This is a tougher Union team. And that's why I'm, I'm very interested to see them in this kind of get, this kind of match where you know they can show what they can do. The last time they were on the road, they lost to the Fire. Not an impressive uh, performance by any means, but they had chances in that game. And obviously the red card to Warren Creval changed the game there. But now you figure Warren Creval's back, even if he's not back. Point is, you're going up against a Seattle team that has been struggling offensively. So that Union defense is going to make things tough. And I don't know, man, maybe the Union can pull it out. I don't know if I could pick against Seattle, though, at home. Uh, not that they're invincible at home, but uh, they've actually lost twice at home already this year. But I feel like they're desperate. I feel like they need this win. And I think maybe the Union will enter feeling a little little overconfident after their win. I'm going to go Seattle in this one. Even though all signs point to the Union, I'm going to go Seattle. It's always tough for those East Coast teams to go West and get the Ws. I'm going to go Seattle uh, in what should be a good game. Next up to Portland Timbers. San Jose Earthquakes, will Caleb Porter get his team to respond? And when you listen to Caleb Porter after their last loss to FC Dallas, he did. Uh, he he sounded like he was going to make sure his team did not come out as flat as they did on Wednesday ever again, and definitely not at home against San Jose. They can't afford two losses in a row at home. Uh, we all we all know that as great as the atmosphere is at Providence Park, Portland has not always played well at home. It's kind of crazy. It's a crazy thing. But you have to like their chances in this one. I think they're going to rebound. Uh, I don't know if Nagby's going to play. He's training again, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. When we saw him on the wheelchair, I'm like thinking, uh-oh, there he is. He's done till next year. But now he's back. He's healthy. Or at least, well, he's healthy because he's training. So he's got, he's, you know, he's healthy. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to play. Even if he doesn't play, I think the, tim- the Timbers will be a handful. Even though San Jose, San Jose's defense, credit to the, their defense, and David Bingham, who, for my money, you can argue is the best goalkeeper in the league right now. They're going to not be easy to break down, but I'm going to go Portland in this one. They, they need these points. They need this result. They need this victory, and I think they're going to get it against San Jose. Next, we have Orlando City against the New England Revolution. And obviously, Orlando City uh, had their share of, of players missing last week in their loss to the Union. Uh, they were without Kyle Aaron. Tommy Redding, Christian Higita also missed a match. And then you had Breck Shea, who was suspended. Uh, Breck Shea should be back. And uh, let's see who's back. who else is back for Orlando City. Uh, I think they're going to – you definitely you definitely want to get Kyle Aaron back. Uh, they, they, I think they missed him more than anybody in that loss to the Union uh, because you obviously had uh, Kaká playing as, an, as kind of in an advanced role, in a striker role. Didn't really suit him. Uh, having Aaron is really the one irreplaceable guy there. Even though Christian Higuita is for me one of the one of the best young midfielders in the league, one of, you don't even have to say young; you could say he's one of the best midfielders in the league. Uh, but they have depth there uh, when you think about Nocherino, Seren, 
they're okay without Igita, but Laren's the guy you can't really replace, and uh, they're going to need him, I think, against a, a very tough New England defense, uh, the Revolution. They've, they've had their ups and downs this year. Uh, funny enough, they've only had one loss in six matches, but unfortunately for them, they have four draws. And, uh, you know, they need to start getting some of those W's, uh, some of those in the win column for them. Uh, I, I think, though, in this one, they'll be happy to get a... If they can get a point in Orlando, I think they'll walk away happy. Um, but it's not going to be easy. I think Orlando City being back home, um, especially if they have Laren back, I think they win this one. Uh, I like their chances to, to get back on the winning side and get back rolling again. Uh, I think that that loss to Philly was, was really more, more a hiccup for them. And last but not least of the Week 7 schedule... The very best game, for my money, the game of the week, FC Dallas sporting Kansas City. FC Dallas is on a roll. They, they look they look so good. And they're going up against a sporting Kansas City team that before Wednesday had been looking very good. Uh, these are the two teams with the most points in the league at this point. Uh, Kansas City will have uh, the guys that they, they tried to rest in midweek back in the lineup. And this is going to be a great game. I mean, you could, this is two of the best teams. Some some amazing matchups all over the field uh, to keep an eye on. Uh, and I don't know who to pick. You know what? I, I have to go FC Dallas in this one. I, I was tempted to go with a draw, but I just think FC Dallas is playing really well. And I think being at home, uh, they'll have that advantage. And even if they don't have more Diaz back, I mean, they've managed to win without more Diaz. Uh, the question is, if they don't have Diaz and Michael Berrios, will their attack be able to function? I still think they have too much firepower, or they have enough firepower uh, to cause problems for KC. Maxi Ruti, Fabian Castillo, uh, Tesho Akindele, I think they have enough to, to cause some problems. This is going to be a good one. This is going to be a close match. By no means is this a blowout. I think, But I think FC Dallas edges KC. <laughs> FC, Matt Hedges <laughs> edges KC. Little Matt Hedges goal. We'll go like a 2-1 FC Dallas in this one. I'm going to stick with the uh, my, my my MLS Cup champion pick. I have to pick them in this one. They're at home. And that's it for MLS. Moving on now to Americans Abroad. little up and, up and down week for Americans Abroad. On the good side, we had uh, Haji Wright, who has now joined the ranks of the Americans Abroad, announcing that he has signed with Schalke, the German Bundesliga outfit. Uh, you, I, I know a lot of people were wondering what happened to him, what was up with his career. He had the whole pit stop with the Cosmos. What was that about? Now, apparently, he has signed with Schalke. And uh, we'll see how he does there. Shaka, quite a bit of young talent there. They, they've done a pretty good job of, of developing some young players through the years. And we'll see how he develops there. And if he can join the likes of Christian Pulisic uh, in that kind of next wave of young Americans trying to do their thing overseas. On the not-so-good side of things, we have Danny Williams, three-match suspension for getting into a scuffle with the teammate uh, for Reading FC. And... Uh, the three three matches was apparently the, the the suspension length of choice this week between Nigel DeYoung and Danny, Danny Williams, and I gotta say I'm still a little surprised about Danny Williams not not being included in the March World Cup qualifiers, and I have to wonder where he stands now with Klinsman in terms of possibilities for Copa America. For me, I think Williams is a guy that you have to think about, and I know I get why Klinsman sticks with Kyle Breckerman and Jermaine Jones. Those are like his security blankets, uh, and they're veterans. They've been through it. They've been through the battles. They've stepped up when he's needed them. But at a certain point, when do you bring in the next generation? And I think you're going to end up ultimately paying a price if you stick with two older players too long at a similar position. I think that I, I just I just think you need to start incorporating 
a younger option or some younger options into that into that conversation. And I think Danny Williams is one of those guys. As much as maybe this isn't the week to, to, to blow the trumpet for Williams, considering what happened with him and the little scuffle with his teammate. I don't even know if I'd call it scuffle, but whatever. His little inner altercation with his teammate. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how Danny Williams does. He's a, he's a guy who I still think has tons of talent and I think can help the U.S. team. So we'll see if he'll get that opportunity this summer. Speaking of the U.S. men's national team, Jurgen Klinsmann, the subject of rumors linking him to Everton. And Ian Dark, of all people, Ian Dark, the ESPN uh, commentator, the the voice that you, you that makes you feel so good when it reminds you of his call of Landon Donovan's goal against Algeria. Who 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 will ever forget that? Um, great guy, by the way. But out of the blue, he tweeted out that he was hearing persistent rumors that Jurgen Klinsmann was being linked to Everton. Uh, at that point, there had been no reports written that we could see any, not recent ones. I mean, there were reports like a couple of years earlier, but nothing that we could find, nothing that I could find before the Ian Dart tweet. And then after that, it all kind of blew up and Klinsman became linked to the Everton job. Robert, Roberto Martinez is still the manager, but it, but it seems like he could be on the way out. And it sounded like Klinsman could maybe be the guy to replace him. Uh, I know U.S. fans were jumping for joy, a lot were jumping for joy at the idea that maybe Klinsman would move on. Uh, Klinsman, to his credit, came out the same day and shot the rumors down and saying that he's not going anywhere. Everton has a great has a manager and a great manager. Um, it was all a little awkward. It was all a little awkward. And I, I mean, I, who knows where it came from? Who knows what the deal is with that? Uh, I don't think Klinsman's going anywhere. I, I just I think he he's, he's never really kind of given any impression that he would jump ship early. And at the same time, you ask yourself, well, why would he jump early? And so I wrote a piece for Goal.com kind of speculating uh, possibilities or the or, or theorizing why he would leave now. And so the only theory I could come up with is if he doesn't believe this U.S. team can do much and he, if he thinks this team is doomed this summer and nothing he does with his player pool is going to help it avoid me uh mediocre future results maybe he jumps ship maybe he leaves early um but you know it's tough to it, it's tough given all he's put into it to see him leave now it, it really is he, even if even if he did i mean i i personally don't think he he's lost faith in this group but i guess you could kind of say okay if he did lose faith in a group and he sees an opportunity to jump into the Premier League with a high, high kind of high-profile job, uh, get another crack at the club management thing. Because let's face it, the one year he had at Bayern Munich, it was a bit of a forgettable experience, and and it didn't necessarily put him in the best light. Especially years later, when so much came out of the Bayern camp about what a bad manager he was. So I'm sure there's part of Klinsmann's psyche, part of his thought process that says to him. That says to himself, like, you know what? One day I want to manage on the club side and show that I can manage on the club side. Is that time now? I don't think it's yet now. But I think once the job's done with the U.S. and once 2018 comes and goes, then he will try. I think he'll give Europe a try. And he'll get his chance. He'll absolutely get his chance. And I know some U.S. fans, I know a lot of U.S. fans will probably think, why? No one's going to hire him. He's not. Listen, folks. You're in Clemson's reputation outside the U.S. much higher than it is in, inside the U.S. There's a much more respect for his work and even much more, more respect for the U.S. team than, 
outside the United States than there is in the U.S. And and it just is what it is, how it is. Uh, that's just uh, you know you could say who knows why why that is, but uh, clearly you uh, just my sense in, in, in talking to people outside the U.S. Whether it's Latin America, whether it's Europe. The thing and you know the descriptions you read and the and the opinions you read on Klinsman's work, the sense you get is that people outside of the U.S. have much more respect for what he's done with the U.S. than Americans do, and uh, for that reason, I think he'll get a job. He'll get a job once 2018 comes and goes. Um, I mean, as long as he qualifies the U.S. for the World Cup, obviously, if he doesn't get the U.S. into the World Cup, that's a whole other story. Knock on wood, that doesn't happen because uh, it, it would talk about nightmare. If the U.S. weren't able to qualify, uh, but again, they, they should be through this round, and then the hex hex is going to be tough, no question. But he's got time to build this team up to that. Uh, we'll see how he does. But by all accounts, and according to him, he's not going anywhere. Now we have a couple other topics to get into before we wrap this thing up. Uh, we definitely have to talk U.S. Women's National Team. The draw for the Olympics has been set, and the U.S. has been drawn into a group with France, Colombia. And New Zealand, and you know it's it's a decent group. France, you could argue one of the toughest possible draws for them in terms of individual team. I mean that U.S. France game is going to be something else uh, when they face off. Uh, but let's face it, this, the U.S. women are going to get get out of that group. I mean Colombia did show uh, show some some quality in the last World Cup, but I mean the women are going to get through to the group out of the group. It's not really a question. Uh, they're 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 the champs, and they're, they look you know there's not really a, any signs of them faltering at least to that degree. So uh, that'll be interesting to watch this summer how the U.S. women do at the Olympics. And I know if you're a U.S. men's fan, you probably had the Jordan cry face meme going on as they had to draw for the men, for the men's Olympics uh, soccer tournament, and uh, that was just a little depressing if you're a U.S. fan. And before we wrap things up. On this edition of the SPS show, we have to talk little European soccer. UEFA Champions League semifinals now set, and Barcelona is not in the semifinal. Atletico Madrid eliminated the champions in a, what was an unbelievable semi uh, quarterfinal, a real dramatic finish. Barcelona just really hit a slump at the worst possible time, and it's crazy when you think about how well they were playing for so long. Uh, for much of the season, they were playing just they were just dominating. They were crushing everyone. Uh, and it really does feel like ever since their players went away for for World Cup qualifying, uh, the South American contingent, the teams have been a, it's been a bit off, and I haven't really seen anyone kind of discuss that. But I just kind of it just seems to me like since then the team just hasn't had a good rhythm. Credit to Atletico though, their their game plan and their their strategy and their discipline uh, was it was was perfect, and their defending was excellent. Diego Simeone, I talk the guy up all the time, but I think now he's really starting to earn the respect he deserves as one of the best managers in the world. Uh, unbelievable job that he's done. Atletico's next task will be to beat Pep Guardiola and Bayern Munich. Bayern knocked off Benfica as expected. This Atletico-Bayern semifinal is going to be something else. Uh, a real good test of wills. Chess match. Uh, Simeone against Pep Guardiola. I mean, what more could Jazz for? Simeone versus Guardiola. The other semifinal will be Real Madrid versus Man City. Man City knocked off PSG in another good uh, quarterfinal matchup. Uh, Real Madrid will be the favorite after their victory over Wolfsburg. Cristiano Ronaldo hat trick played the hero again. You have to like Madrid's chances there. Man City, nothing against Man City, but I just don't know if they're ready to beat Real Madrid at this point. I'm going to go Real Madrid in that one. 
The Europa League draw has been set as well. How about Liverpool and their unbelievable comeback against Borussia Dortmund? I can't imagine many people saw them getting off the mat and beating Dortmund after Dortmund jumped all over them in the second leg at Anfield. Credit to Jurgen Klopp. The guy just finds a way to make his teams believe and and, and to just make and just achieve things that you don't expect his teams to achieve. He deserves a ton of credit, and the team deserves a ton of credit. They have another tough task now. They play Villarreal in the semifinals. Uh, Villarreal cruises to the semifinals. The Spanish team, they're a handful. Uh, their attack is particularly dangerous, and uh, that's not going to be an easy one for Liverpool, but they, Liverpool does feel like a team of destiny right now. The other semifinals, Shakhtar, Donetsk, Sevilla. Make time to watch this one. Uh, great, great attacking battle that will be. Uh, all four matchups, and say what you want about Europa League. Not everyone's a big fan of Europa League, but this year, Europa League's been excellent, and I think both of these semifinals are going to be excellent. Uh, and then the last note I'll touch on, World Cup. Mexico is apparently lining up a bid for the 2026 World Cup to host the World Cup. We all know the U.S. Is, it has kind of looked like the country that is most likely to host the 2026 World Cup and are considered the favorites to host it, but now apparently Mexico wants to get into the conversation as well. There's rumblings about China. That one bears watching because we all want to know when, when the, where that World Cup will be since Russia and Qatar are the next two. And I don't know who's, I don't know if there's a ton of people that are crazy about having to go to either of those places for the next two World Cups. So that 2026 World Cup is, is important, is a big one. It's a big one. And, you know, obviously we all hope it's in the U.S. Uh, well, at least U.S. fans hope it is in the U.S. I wouldn't mind it being in Australia. I'd love to go to Australia. I think it'd be something else to have it there. I don't know about Mexico. Mexico's had it uh, had it before. Uh, I know the U.S. has had it before, but I don't know about Mexico beating out the U.S. for that one. Uh, but that one will bear watching. Uh, there are some Ask of the SBI Show questions here. I'll, I'll, I'll read a couple real quick just to wrap it up. Uh, see if we can keep this show up uh, to under an hour. And once again, apologies for the delay. I'll blame DirecTV for taking four hours to, to fix my system here. But uh, let's see. The question. Uh, I'll I'll take two real quick. Uh, is Jordan Morris going to lose his job to Alex Anderson? Uh, Matt Rathgeber asks. Uh, I think Jordan Jordan Morris is going to be all right. If he has to sit a couple of games, he you know that's fine. But I think in in the long run he will be the starter there, and I think he'll do pretty be- he'll do pretty well there. Uh, another question here: Will McQuillan is Phillies is the Philadelphia Union star, strong start legit? Yes, I think it's legit. I think this Union Union team is tough. Uh, they they've added some good quality to their attack. CJ Sapong looked like he's poised for a big year. The rookie Keegan Rosenberry is excellent, and uh, Andre Blake. Andre Blake's look, looking like a guy who could challenge for best eleven. Uh, so all of it's coming together. And uh, they're going to be they're, they're for me they're going to be a playoff team this year. I don't think this is a fluke by any means. I think they're going to be a playoff team this year. Uh, last one, Eric Fox. How much longer before this is no longer just a crazy start to MLS, but how the season is actually going to be? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I do think things are going to settle down. I feel like things always settle down in the summer, and then you just get to you just get to the soccer and and forget all the extracurriculars. Forget. You know the referees and uh, adjusting and players adjusting to referees calls and and all that other stuff. I think I think we'll get a nice rhythm from May forward, <coughs> and then and hopefully the play on the field will continue to be the headlines and not all the other stuff uh, and not all the extracurriculars. Um, so we shall see. 
that's all for now for me. Uh, once again, apologies. Uh, I'm trying to take some time off next week. I need a break. I need a. I feel like a little burnt out. I, I haven't really had a break since August, and I think it's catching up to me. I can't think straight. I need a. I need a week of uh, just kind of maybe reading some books and, and disconnecting from the whole the matrix of the whole soccer matrix grid. Uh, having said that, I'll probably still do at least one or two shows next week. FBI shows just because. I can never just totally unplug, as my wife will, 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 will she, unfortunately, as my wife will probably attest, it's just tough for me to completely disconnect myself from the soccer world, even when I want to, but that's the plan at least, hopefully I can do it, take some time for me, uh, get, you know, get checked out, start the workout regimen, all that good stuff, but we will be back next week, I'll just say it now, I'll, there will be shows next week, so... Keep an eye out for those. Uh, that's all for now. Enjoy what should be a really fun week uh, in the soccer world. And uh, once again, if you ever have a question, send it to me via Twitter with the hashtag AskTheSBIShow. And I will probably get to it. There's always the list running, so keep that in mind. And once again, as I always say, uh, you can follow me on, on Twitter at SoccerByIvis. Definitely uh, check out the Facebook page, uh, my Facebook page, as I try to keep updating it and have my weekly Q&As on there. Uh, make sure you check that out. And last but certainly not least, if you're still listening to the show at this point and you haven't given me uh, given the show a review on iTunes, please do. It's been a while. I need to get some feedback uh, and get a sense of what we need to do. I know we need to get guests. I definitely get that. Uh, and hopefully with this time off, that when, uh, as I have a chance to take some time off from other things, I can just relax a bit and, 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 next, and in a week settle into a routine that'll give us the best possible SBI show, which is definitely my hope. I know there's a lot of shows out there. There's more shows coming out uh, every day, it seems like. My man Alexi Lalas has a show now. Um, so hopefully, you know what, we can keep the SBI show in your rotation and have it be a show that you enjoy to listen to. That's all for now. I'm Ivis Kalarsen. This is the SBI show.